Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Sarah Ellis. And I'm Helen Tuffer. And you're listening to the Squiggly Careers podcast. Every week we talk about a different topic to do with work and discuss practical ideas and actions to help you find your way through our increasingly squiggly world of work. And today we're going to be talking about how to prepare for an end of year review. This was a suggestion from one of our listeners. I almost couldn't believe we'd not covered it before because it's something (laughs) that I think most of us have end of year reviews in some way, shape or form. I think they've been changing a bit over the past few years often for the better in terms of how we approach them but it's one of those things that sometimes we dread perhaps we really look forward to we need to prepare for so we thought we would talk about some principles for how to approach that review and some specific actions so that you feel confident having those conversations with your manager and we're sort of going to assume for today that most people will be having these conversations with a manager but of course it could be with a different colleague or with a mentor And we're going to focus less today on doing the reflection for yourself. And we did two podcast episodes, 114 and 115, where we did 20 career questions to ask yourself. So if you're in kind of more, I want to reflect on my own year for myself, do some kind of good deep thinking, which sounds very appealing to me right now. (laughs) Um, I'd love to spend a bit of time doing that. I think those podcast episodes will probably be more helpful. Today, we're really going to focus on that. If you're having an end of year review with someone else, probably as part of your organisation, how that looks and feels. Hen and I both had loads of them over the years. And we were thinking about kind of the good, the bad and the ugly and what we've learnt, where they went well and things we perhaps would have done differently in hindsight. And if you want to dive a bit deeper into this topic, Sarah, not me, because I'll be doing something else, but Sarah will be hosting a Poplus session and that will be nine o'clock Thursday, December the 3rd. It's a 30 minute free session. We'll probably be drawing some models, talking through some questions. If you've got reflections from this episode, it's a great community of learners to be part of. You can get all the details from that from amazingiflearning.com. Register for it, get the Zoom link and join that session. So hopefully some people will join Sarah there. And before we get started with this topic, we just want to let you know about another podcast as well as Squiggly Careers, something else that you might find interesting. So last week on Friday, right at the end of the week, I was interviewed by Mo Gaudat for his podcast, Slow Mo. And we had a really fascinating conversation about work and happiness. So he did tell me, Sarah, he was like, I don't normally talk about work and careers because I find them quite boring. <laughs> I was like, great, great start. But then oh, I did no. look, I know, I did look at some of his previous guests and topics and he's got like Alan Batan talking about, you know, the meaning 
meaning of life and and love okay. and decisions that you make very kind of deep things and there's me doing like here are some things that we all need to do to be happier in our careers <laughs> five ideas for action but we had a really great conversation and that episode will be out soon but just generally if you're interested in happiness and life or you're in quite a reflective mood highly recommend having a listen he's the author of the book soul for happy and his podcast is all about exploring the obstacles that people face in the pursuit of happiness and also in finding purpose in their lives as well as people like alan de batan he's also interviewed one of our friends bruce daisley who you might know from the eat sleep work repeat podcast as well and you can find slow-mo his podcast everywhere you find squiggly so apple spotify all those places So back to the topic of end of year reviews then. Uh, We thought it might be just useful to think about why they can sometimes feel hard. I actually haven't started, Sarah, with why they're so brilliant because I think (laughs) most people think of end of reviews as something that maybe it takes quite a lot of effort and doesn't always feel that exciting and uh, might feel more kind of difficult than developmental. So a couple of our thoughts on why these might feel hard for people. And then we promise we'll get into some principles that will help you and some ideas for actions to take. My thoughts are when we do this, we tend to have lots of other things on. So you get into that end of year mode when you're trying to finish projects off so that you can start the year fresh. And at the same time, you're also trying to squeeze in this quite reflective process And the other reason it feels hard is because if you haven't reflected regularly in the year, so you haven't gone, oh, at the end of, you know, the first quarter of the year, this is what I did well, this is where I might improve, you're having to do like quite a lot of catch up and cover quite a lot of ground in one conversation. And sometimes in some companies, it can feel more like a box ticking exercise. So it's like, oh, it's that date, you know, it's the 10th of December, everyone's got to get their review in before the 15th. And it it stops feeling like a meaningful moment and more like a process that you have to comply with. And when you're in that conversation, sometimes it feels difficult because you have a lot of messages coming to you all at the same time. And sometimes they're messages that you might not expect. They might be related to pay rises or performance or promotions. These are quite big emotive things. And it might feel like you don't have as much control over that conversation as you might like. And sometimes it's all of those things together. And so I think that sometimes makes people dread the conversation and find it difficult when they're in it and then not to know how to respond to it afterwards. And so we get you. We've been there. I'm a bit fearful that I might have created that climate for other people as well. I hope I never have. But I'm thinking, gosh, when I was managing people in large organisations, I sort of dread thinking, gosh, did anyone come to those conversations with me feeling a bit like... I don't know what to expect and I'm a bit worried about what Helen's going to say. I hope not, but I think it's often the feeling that people have when they approach those conversations. I also think I had a message from someone who I will keep anonymous last week saying to me, oh, it's just so much admin. You know, (laughs) and I do think that's another thing. I think there's the more kind of significant points that you were there talking about in terms of the conversation itself. But I think some people are just like, oh, I've got to fill out this form. It's another annoying thing on my to-do list. It doesn't feel like something that people look forward to or potentially find useful. And perhaps that's because you've had, you know, end of year reviews previously where you've thought, I've not found that that helpful in terms of my career. Kind of the quality of those conversations hasn't been that useful. And so then it does become one of those things where you're like, well, it's just like I've got to do it or I must do it versus something that I go, well, actually, I'm looking forward to this. And I think for lots of us, 
if we don't have loads of frequent conversations, I've definitely seen this before, our expectation of this conversation, I think, can be really high. This has been my experience, sort of with some of my managers, I think, where you kind of build yourself up to these conversations and you've probably got so many things you want to talk about or perhaps that just feels like the moment in time where you're you're meant to talk about some of the things like maybe you want a promotion, maybe you want to do something differently. And then if that conversation doesn't live up to that expectation, again, you just feel deflated or demotivated. So I think there's almost like there's a lot of admin, there's emotion, <laughs> there's like, is the conversation going to be any good? Which is a shame because I do think when they're done really well, I have had this experience as well. Like I've worked for managers who've done this brilliantly and I hope at times I've done the odd useful conversation myself to leading teams. I think they can be incredibly motivating for both the future, but also a really good moment to just stop and reflect on the progress that you've made and how you can keep building on that. So let's talk about some principles that we think are really helpful when you're thinking about your end of year review. So before you actually go into the conversation or as part of the conversation, and these all seem to either have a P in them somewhere or begin with P. So hopefully that helps, <laughs> helps to remember them. The first one, which I think is really important, is know the purpose of the conversation. So when we say end of year reviews, sometimes this is about reviewing your performance. So what's gone well, projects you've been working on. Sometimes these end of year reviews are more about are they about a promotion conversation? Are they about pay? What is the primary purpose of that conversation? Because I think I've got into some of these conversations in the past, wanting to have really a career conversation. And all they really want to tell me is, oh, you're getting a 2% inflationary pay rise. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But let's talk about <laughs> in very squiggly careers like language. And I think just be really clear about if your organisation have these in place, what are they there to do? What's the purpose of them? And, you know, if it's not to have a kind of more of a career conversation, that's okay, because you can have those at a different time. So I think just have that clarity. And then once you've got the purpose firmly in mind, actually make sure then you're clear about what's the one thing you want your manager to take from the conversation, because you can't predict and plan all of the conversation. You don't quite know what's going to be talked about necessarily. But if there's one message or if there's kind of one thing you really want to make sure you communicate, like, what would that be? Maybe it's ultimately you go, I'm enjoying it. I'm really enjoying kind of where I am. I just want, I kind of want to keep going. I kind of want more of what I'm already doing. Maybe it's, oh, I'm particularly stuck on one particular aspect. That's kind of where I need some support. So just know why the conversation is happening and know what's kind of the one thing you want your manager to take from it. Two, you can follow a process and personalise that process. Now, I'm a really big advocate for this because I did this so many times in big organisations, which they probably didn't thank me for, to be honest. But it always really worked for me. So whether I was in Barclays or Sainsbury's, I always followed the rules. I always <laughs> followed the process. I'll but fill I, in your template. But yeah, I filled, dot, dot, dot. I filled in the template that <laughs> I needed to, to fill in. But I did then think, if there was bits missing in that template that I wanted to talk about, if I felt like there was a better way, I think <laughs> I would just create my own. The amount of times I turned up to those conversations and I had got my strengths and my values written down and I red amber greened them and then I talked about why I thought they were red amber green and what I thought I could do differently. Now this clearly is not for everyone and how much you can personalise it will depend a bit on your manager and your organisation. And I think I personalised much more when I was working for managers that I got high trust, really brilliant support from, so that they kind of appreciated me making that effort, essentially, and they could see the value in it. I do think even within any process, there's usually a bit of opportunity to personalise it so that 
it works for you so that you can communicate the things you really want to communicate. The third principle is around other people's perspectives. Depending on your company, this can be a time where everybody is asking for feedback all at once. And we've both been in these organisations where if it is quite a formal process, suddenly you're expected to like fill in some boxes that say, oh, you know, and what do other people think? And what feedback have you had from other people? So simultaneously, everybody's inboxes just fill up with like, I'm doing my end of year review. I know you're really busy, but can you give me some feedback? Or on those automated systems where it's like you put in someone's name and then you get the reminders. So it'll be like, these 10 people asked you for feedback a week ago and you've still not responded. And then you're like, oh my gosh, how am I supposed to give meaningful feedback in 24 hours to 10 people? It's just... (laughs) And it sort of is so counterintuitive versus what we kind of talk about when we talk about feedback being regular routine and real time. That's the way that we, when we're doing workshops on feedback, we talk about you know, do this as you go so that you're not having to do this all at once. But we appreciate sometimes you have no choice and you you might have to, you might kind of be forced into this kind of moment in time feedback. The thing that I would recommend if you can, and this might be one of the ways that you can personalise the process, try and frame your feedback. So rather than just saying to somebody, oh, Helen, I'm doing my end of year review. Can you just give me some feedback? And you perhaps do the classic, oh, can you tell me what I'm doing well and any areas you think I should improve? Try and be more specific than that if you can. So for example, if you've been working on your Gravitas this year, let Helen know that. Oh, Helen, I've got my end of year review coming up. I know that we're going to be talking about the progress I've made in terms of improving my Gravitas in meetings. I wondered if you've got any feedback in terms of what you've spotted in terms of my Gravitas when we've been working together, maybe what's working well and even better if. So you've just taken it that little bit further. You've made it much more personal to that person and the the way in which you work with that person. And I think perhaps to make it even easier for someone, especially if you know people are getting lots of requests, do one thing. Can you give me one example of where you think my gravitas really shows up well or kind of has a positive impact? And can you give me one example of where you think I could improve my gravitas or a way in which you think I could improve my gravitas? So there you've gone one on one. And that feels like you've just been really specific. You've made it as easy as possible. And you give yourself, I think, the best possible chance of getting meaningful and useful feedback that you can do something with and we're not saying that other people's perspectives aren't useful of course they are they're incredibly valuable and really insightful I just think the more you frame it the easier you make it the better quality conversation then you'll be able to have as a result principle number four prepare share and avoid surprises (laughs) um so I think and again I feel like with this I'm really talking from I might as well admit I'm talking from very kind of personal experience I was always a real preparer for my end of year reviews and I took it so seriously as you can probably imagine that I think I sort of gave my managers no choice but to take it equally seriously. So beforehand I usually would say like looking forward to the end of year review here's one page summary that I've produced kind of reflecting on my year so far and Helen will talk about an example of kind of how you might want to do that or if you can share something beforehand I do think it's tough for managers if you think about they're doing probably multiple reviews. If they are surprised or put on the spot, perhaps they didn't know you wanted to talk about something or perhaps there's something that's kind of new news to them, you probably never get, unless someone's brilliant in that moment, an amazing response. And perhaps that's sometimes where there's this gap between our expectations and then our experience of an end of year review. 
So if you can share something beforehand, great. It doesn't have to be all of the answers. Maybe it's just three bullet points. If you can take as much ownership for that review as possible, sometimes you can't. Sometimes there's kind of a, you must follow this structure because that's the way everyone in our organisation does it. But I think the more you can take ownership for it, the more it can feel like your review, not just another review, probably, again, the better conversation that you will have. And final principle, be smart and pair your approach with where you are. So if you're in quite an informal culture, perhaps you don't have kind of more of a formal system, you know, you probably don't want to produce reams of templates. Probably some of the things that I've described would be going too far. Perhaps a one-page summary or three bullet points is kind of more than enough. If you're in a very formal culture and there's kind of a real expectation of you must get at least five bits of feedback or you must have filled out all of this template with at least a paragraph, I think sort of know what success looks like in terms of just the approach and the process. And if you're not sure if this is your first year in a company or perhaps you're just not clear, don't forget you can ask people. Ask people who've been through it before. You know, it's a really good way to ask for support and help. You know, if Helen had been in Microsoft for a couple of years and I was new, I might have gone to Helen, oh, I'm just going through this review process for the first time. Any top tips or what's worked well for you in the past? Anything you think I should bear in mind? And that's when you get those really useful kind of tacit bits of knowledge where you think, oh, if I'd not asked that, it probably isn't written down anywhere. And that whole you don't know what you don't know until you've kind of gone through it. But people are usually really happy to share that and really happy to help. So if you're just feeling a bit of uncertainty generally about this whole end of year review thing, perhaps this is the first time you've been in a company that even does one, just try and find out as much as you can beforehand because it will just help you to feel more comfortable and more confident going into those conversations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So let's share some ideas for action, shall we? Let's. I'll do the first one, which is about the preparation. And we've mentioned this as a theme generally about coming prepared. And obviously, if there's a formal template, complete that. But there are some other things that can help you to make the conversation maybe a bit more useful for you than just the objectives and key results. Like, 
focusing on what I was set out to achieve this year and what I've actually delivered is kind of a given of any of these conversations. But how could we make it more meaningful from just talking about objectives and key results? So we've got a few ideas for you to think about preparing in advance. And maybe this might be part of what you sent to a manager, or maybe it could just be part of the conversation you have when you're together. So the first thing to think about is what is your work in a word this year? So if you were to sum up 2020, gosh, and, and your and your work, your experience of work this year in one word, what would that be? The interesting conversation. I actually think it's a, a really interesting team conversation to have mm. um, that could be a really open discussion about that. That's the first thing. Second thing is to answer the question, when have you felt at your best this year at work? Maybe also think a bit deeper, like what was going on? What was the context? And maybe what might that tell you about the work that you do and the strengths that you are using can be some quite useful insight in that. What are you most proud of and why? Often takes you at a different place than when were you at your best. So was there a particular moment that you were really proud of and why was that? That can sometimes be a clue to meaning and purpose. That is just something in that moment that really sparks something in you and that might be a way that you could maybe get more meaning next year. Really good question about learning is what have you learned this year and how are you now putting that learning into action? I think that question can make you realise how far you've developed in a year. Like if I was to answer that for us, like, I mean, delivering sessions virtually globally like um, I think that for us we didn't do that before this year and I think gosh if I really reflect on all the things that we've learned this year and how we're now putting that into action I really look and see how much we've grown in the period of 12 months so that can help you to feel quite positive about how you've developed and then the last thing to reflect on is what's felt hard and why and if you want to take that a bit further you might think how would you approach that situation differently if it happened again? Because obviously not all the year is going to be brilliant. And whilst it's good to focus on your strengths, and that's a really positive thing, because we want you to use those strengths even more as you go into next year, actually thinking about what were some of the things that felt challenging. It could be people, projects, processes, all those sorts of things. But if you think and you acknowledge that, and then think about, well, how would I approach that differently? Because hopefully 2020 will not happen in this guise ever again. But there might be elements of the year that you found hard that might come back again. And so I think being prepared for those with how you might approach things differently might help you to feel a bit more positive, a bit more in control of them if they do happen again. And so our second idea for action is thinking about the balance between reviewing and previewing. And I think most of us have a natural inclination to being either past orientated, present orientated or future orientated. And actually, if you prioritise those three, you kind of get a sense for kind of where you enjoy spending your time, kind of where you'll get your energy from. So as an example, I'm future, present and then past orientated. And then Helen? I am present, Present, present. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm present, future and past, very like low past orientated. And so if you just intuitively think about that for yourself and then think about what is the impact of that on the conversation that you're going to have. So, for example, if you're very kind of past orientated, you probably feel most comfortable doing the review part at the end of your review, kind of looking back. You perhaps enjoy that. You're you're really reflective, but you want to also be careful that you don't miss out on the opportunity to then think about okay so what does that mean for next year what might I want to do differently what do I want to kind of learn even more about 
if you're very future orientated, which actually I'm very future orientated and Helen is relatively future orientated as well. Even when we chat about our reviews together about our company and how we're doing, we sometimes have to force ourselves to not forget what we've already done, what worked well, even better if, because Helen's so present orientated, she's really in the here and now, and I've moved on to the next thing. And that means you lose your learning. You can end up like repeating the same mistakes. You have great ideas that then you sort of forget about and you don't really kind of store them anywhere. So I think just kind of knowing that natural balance and also what feels most useful for the the conversation that you're having, even in the phrase end of year review, it implies it's all about kind of looking back, but we can't change any of that. So we can't change any of what's happened in 2020. All we can do is learn from it and think about where we want to go next and kind of what it means for us. I think there's part about the awareness in the kind of review. And then I think it's about action in the future. And so I think just making sure that you're pairing together in equalish terms, awareness and action, I think that makes for a really kind of positive conversation. And so if you know for yourself, are you likely to maybe spend too long reflecting too kind of long in the past or actually you someone who might move completely past that that just helps you to have a sense of okay well I just want to make sure I've got a relatively balanced conversation thinking both kind of past and future awareness and action it's interesting actually when you say end of year review I hadn't really thought about it but I think actually just that that title of that meeting Mm. makes it be very very based in the past and it's kind of like this moment in time thing there is a resource that we'll share which is brilliant for self-reflection Sarah and I are both going to do it it's called the year compass and I think that idea of it's a year compass it's not an end it's not a start it's just like a sense of direction and where I am now is actually more a more helpful framing I'm not sure what people would think if they've got year compass in their diary but that end of year review I think it sounds so final and it puts quite a lot of pressure on it that it doesn't necessarily (laughs) reflect what you just said about about there's elements that'll be past, elements that'll be present and some that'll be future. That feels much more meaningful to have a conversation around those three areas than really just focusing on what's gone on in the last 12 months. So our third idea for you is really when you're in the moment. And this is all about reflecting before you might respond. So we have all experienced conversations that might not have gone the way that we thought they were going to go and particularly these end of year conversations where there are lots of different messages being shared maybe it's some feedback that you weren't aware of maybe there's an opportunity that you were interested in that's no longer on the table whatever's going on there can be some elements that do take you by surprise so if you are going into a conversation with your manager and there's a part of that conversation which takes you by surprise Don't forget that that doesn't have to be the only conversation that you have. So you don't have to respond then and there in the moment. What you can do is move much more into listening mode, like you can hear, you can ask for some more information and then you can take that away and maybe have a follow-up meeting. So if you would benefit from a bit more time to collect your thoughts, to think about how you might want to use that information feel empowered to listen and say, I've heard what you said, I really want to reflect on it, really think about the actions that I can take after this conversation. Can I come back to you next week and follow up? It doesn't all have to happen in one session. If you get into a situation where you are debating the details because maybe there's quite a bit of an emotion or maybe you don't agree with what somebody's saying or it's new information that you haven't heard before, 
debating the details can sometimes get away from the benefit for your development. And so just know that if there's something that's taken by surprise or it's a bit uncomfortable, it doesn't all have to happen in that conversation. Just get as much information as you have and ask to follow up. It can even be in 24 hours. You don't have to do this a week later, but you will perhaps get more control over how you respond if you just have that little bit of a break so that you can collect your thoughts because if emotion rules it might not help you in the moment yeah and I think it's such a tough one isn't it if you do hear something you weren't expecting I think it's actually okay to signal that if you have the presence of mind in that moment which I think is very impressive if you have the presence to kind of say oh, that's not something I was aware of, or that surprised me slightly, that's definitely something I'm going to need to go away and think about a bit more. That's fine. That's, you know, more than fine to do that. I've actually had conversations where I wish I'd had the, not only just the confidence, but you know, the pausing for thought, not feeling like you've got to fill the space by saying something, where I think I would have been better to just say, okay, well, that's a kind of new reflection for me. And I'm, I'm going to go away and think about it and, and figure out what I think. Because I don't think I know what I think. If someone's just given me some feedback or perhaps a difficult message I don't know what I think in that moment I, I want to go away and, and reflect on it and even as Helen said 24 hours can make a really big difference so I think don't be afraid to do that so our idea for action number four is about asking for help and the support that you need and this is really a reminder not to forget that these conversations we want you to take ownership for them we want them to be as personal to you as possible But that person you're having a conversation with, probably your manager, is there to support you, is there to help you. And so you might even want to think beforehand about what help do you need from your manager? How's your relationship with your manager going generally? I've actually had one end of year review before where I think probably, you know, we talked at the very start about what's the one message you want that person to know or kind of what's the one thing you want to communicate. I wanted a better working relationship with that manager. That was the big unlocker for me. I didn't feel like we were, I liked her, but I didn't think we were gelling that well. And I felt like there was sort of opportunity there, but we we just kind of weren't quite finding our way through it. And I wanted to have a really quite an open and frank conversation about that. And for me, that was the most important thing about that conversation. And so really thinking about the questions that I was going to ask in terms of thinking about, well, what did she think about our relationship? Did she feel like it was going well? What did she think that we could do to work together even better and actually that was a conversation that surprised me because she felt like the relationship was better than I did Mm. and so I I was finding it harder and so in that moment that I'm so glad I prepared those questions and really thought about it beforehand because just that conversation was so useful for me then in terms of like building for the year after thinking I'd made some assumptions here that I've just tested that actually turned out not to be true Uh, maybe I'm making a bit more positive progress than I gave myself credit for You know, I'm working with someone who's got a very different style and approach or values to me, but that's okay. We can find our way through that. And so just thinking about specifically your manager, what support do you need? Do you need your manager to kind of help you with support you need elsewhere? Might be from HR. Maybe you're asking for some learning and development cash to go and do something. Maybe it's you're interested in a sideways move and you need some introductions to different parts of the business. Uh, Maybe you want to improve your network and your manager is a brilliant networker. Think about what's the kind of the help that you need and just make sure you're, you have that clarity and the kind of the conciseness in, during that conversation to kind of be very clear about that. I'm always really guilty sometimes of having kind of, you know, the nice chat versus the quality conversation. Yeah. Like, I am I am like the queen of the nice chat. You know, just like the, 
it'll always feel positive and upbeat. But I think that was because sometimes I was too afraid to face into some of the more difficult conversations because I was sort of struggling with my conflict confidence gremlin. And if I think about my best reviews, they were always where I sort of let go of my need, and it's definitely my need, to have a nice chat and really thought about, okay, well, what is a good quality career conversation here? What what do I need from it? What do I need from this individual? How can I take ownership for it? And it's so much more useful. So if you're a bit like me, try not to fall into the nice chat trap. That's really hard to say. <laughs> it's also quite good to come away from it and going, was that a nice chat? Did I actually get anything out of it? Or did it feel like a quality conversation? It's probably a kind yeah. of quick, quick review that you could do. And so last but not least, when you're having those conversations, is just think about and talk about how you can continue the conversation. If the next time you come back to that discussion is in December 2021, you've missed an opportunity to get more feedback, to get more insight, to get more support. So ask the question in that conversation, when will we next speak again about this? How would it be useful for you and me to talk about the actions that I'm taking? How can we best support each other with moving this forward? Like, Ask some of those questions so that you have a more frequent conversation. It will be much, much more helpful for you and your development. So let's just quickly recap on those five areas and then I'll just point you in the direction of a few resources that we've got for you. So the first one is about coming prepared. Try to broaden the conversation from just being about objectives and key results. The second thing was what Sarah talked about, about kind of previews as well as reviews. The third was about reflecting before you feel like you have to respond. The fourth was about your support. What support do you need? Who are you going to get it from? And the five was about focusing on how you can continue the conversation. And then in terms of resources for you, there's a really interesting article about why the annual review is a bad idea. It just talks about, <laughs> uh, it's quite negative, but it just talks about why why most companies um, don't do it very well. But if you want something more positive, there is also that link to that resource, the Year Compass, which I love and Sarah and I are actually going to do as well. And if you are in an organisation where this process feels a little bit more formal, there's a really good article from Inc.com on how to prepare for an end of year performance review, particularly if you think the conversation is going to be challenging. It's a really good one if you think, "Mm, I've got a feeling that this isn't going to be easy. I would recommend that one as well. We'll put all the links for you on amazingif.com. So if you just go to the podcast page and then click on this end of year review podcast, you'll be able to access all the links that we just talked about. So thank you so much, as always, for listening. We always enjoy your company virtually and hope that some of you are there. If you get five minutes to rate, review and subscribe for us, that always helps us to share Squiggly far and wide. And it gives us that kind of positive moment in our day and our week. And we read everyone and we really do appreciate it. I know every podcast says it now, so I feel like, I don't know, it feels like that standard thing, but it does make a really big difference. We so. screenshot them and WhatsApp them to each other if we that do. helps everybody. That... And we're like, oh, look, this is so nice. It's, it's like the only way we get feedback. So it does matter quite a lot to us. Thank you. And next week, we're going to be talking about authenticity. So how to be authentic at work, what that means, some of the nuances, because I think it is a nuanced topic and the ins and outs of when to be authentic, if that's even kind of the right question to ask. But we'll be exploring all the ins and outs of it. So hopefully this week has felt like a real practical episode at the right moment. And then next week, taking on the big topic of authenticity. (laughs) But that's everything for this week. Thank you so much for listening as always. And we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Speak to you soon, everyone. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 